Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Pace Plays Podcast with your girl, Latrobe Pace, for another episode here for Sermon Sundays. And today I'm coming from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25. And so I love the book of Galatians just because of the way Paul really explains the the works of the flesh and also the fruit of the spirit and he really breaks each point down so well where we can really kind of get an idea and I love the fact that he puts the the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit kind of like side by side for us to really see the difference between the two between working for salvation and then just receiving salvation freely from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from what he has done for us at the cross. So I definitely recommend that you guys get into the book of Galatians, read the whole chapter. It is absolutely awesome. And then we can kind of understand just what Paul is talking about and how Christ has made us free and ways that we can keep in step with the spirit. And with keeping in step with the spirit, we're knowing um, he teaches us and then we can know how to stay away from some of the things that he is mentioning here. And in that, knowing that if we just continue to build ourselves up in the fruit of the spirit, then those other things will slowly pass away and we can really turn from those things because we're focusing our mind and our consciousness on the things of God, all of the good things that God has in store for us. And so this is going to be awesome. I just love the fact that Paul gives us examples of the fruit of the spirit that walking in the spirit produces in our lives. So as we continue to walk with the spirit, it then produces the fruit in our lives that is good fruit and not wild fruit, you know, not rotten fruit, poisonous fruit, chai, all the kind of different fruits that we don't want. Okay. We want the good fruit that God has in store for us. And we can only do that by keeping in step with the spirit of God that is inside of each and every last single one of us. And so let's get into it. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. So it's from Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 25. And it reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And so that's Galatians chapter five, verses 22 to 25. And so let's get into it okay i love the fruit of the spirit i think i was actually talking about it um last week in a, in a different sermon or something i don't you know really remember but um <laughs> the fruit of the spirit is so awesome okay and this when we think about the the works of the flesh yes they seem overwhelming why because they are and it's overwhelming both in us and around us 
So that's including the people around us. It just overwhelms us. And God knew when he gave the children of Israel the commandments and the laws that they were not able to keep them. Like he knew this, but because of their own self-righteousness, that's why they got the laws in the first place. And so when we think about working to try to keep the law, it is definitely an overwhelming process because it's so much. God is good enough and big enough to change everything with the fruit of the spirit. Okay, the fruit of the spirit can also conquer the works of the flesh as long as we are abiding in Christ. Like that is the key thing. And when we think about the significance of fruit and just how the fruit is, okay, like when we think about a fruit, like let's let's really get into this and how fruit have several important characteristics. Fruit are fragile. Okay, I know this firsthand. I have a banana in there that's been in there for about two days and it's getting a little fragile. I'm trying to see if it's going to hold out for tomorrow because I want to take it to work. But fruit is fragile. Fruit is attractive. Okay, it tastes good. They they smell a little you know, all sweet and good. You know, they, they are colorful. Uh, everything about a fruit attracts us to it. Okay, fruit are nutrients, nutrients, okay? It nourishes us. And that's absolutely awesome when we think about the spirit, okay? And the fruit of the spirit, how fruit also is achieved, like the working and the producing of a fruit, it actually reproduces itself. So once a tree, a banana tree or an apple tree is planted, once that tree is there every season, when the fruit is ready to start producing, it's going to reproduce those fruit every single season. Nobody's going to have to come and tell the tree to produce the fruit. It's just going to do it automatically because it's the time of the year for apples or bananas to start growing on this tree. Okay, and then the one thing that I absolutely love about the fruit is that fruit isn't achieved by working, but it's birth and it's grown by abiding on the tree. So when we going back to the banana tree or the apple tree, as we look at this tree, and I absolutely love mango trees. Yeah, I grew up in Florida, so I'm going to say mango tree. Okay, so when we look at a mango tree at the certain time of a year, the mango starts producing. And we can see if we would take a mango off when it is not ready, it wouldn't be too good, would it? It would it would be nasty. It wouldn't be right. Child, it'd be tasting all weird. Trust me, I have eaten one before and it was not good. It was actually sour, very bitter. And it, it, was, it was very hard to even get into. But the thing about the mango tree is that Once the fruit continues to abide on the tree, the fruit continues to grow. The fruit continues to blossom and bloom and become these nice yellow, red looking mangoes. And then once it is ready, do you know what the mangoes do? They drop off the tree. I remember having a mango tree in my yard as a kid. And when it was time for the mangoes to be eaten, they would drop down off of the tree. And it would be a bunch of mangoes all over the ground. The ants would come and try to eat them. You know, it would be birds in the yard, you know, eating the mangoes that have fallen off the tree. But they fall off. 
because they have abided long enough, they are ripe. And that's how a mango is achieved. That's how it is grown. That's how it becomes a mango by abiding in the tree. And so I absolutely love that. I just wanted to kind of give you guys that little piece. But um, the fruit of the spirit. Paul, I feel like he uses this to really explain a very, very important point that we need to get. Okay. So he uses the plural in describing the life after the flesh, you know, workings or works of the flesh. But then he uses singular when he starts to talk about the fruit of the spirit. So not fruits with an S, but fruit. But he says works with an S of the flesh. And so I found that to be so interesting. And just in the big picture that the spirit has one work to do in all of us. So these aren't the gifts of the spirit, which are distributed on an individual basis by the, by the will of the spirit. This is something for every single believer in Christ. And I find this to be so significant that the word fruit is singular, Paul is not speaking of a series of fruit where you get a fruit and you get a fruit and you get a fruit and we all got a bunch of fruits. He is actually referencing a cluster. He's referring to the fruit as a cluster of one fruit that all the qualities are to be manifested in each believers by the one fruit fruit of Christ Jesus in our lives. That's why we all make up one body, one spirit. Okay. And I absolutely love that. And now we can add in there one fruit. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I love the fact that he starts off with the fruit of the spirit is love. So of course he starts with love and love is love. And I absolutely love love because God so loved us, you know, that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believeth in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Okay. And so with that, when we think about the love and the fact that he mentions his love here. And I feel like it's because love encompasses all of the rest of the fruit. Okay. And so I, you know, he could have just said the fruit of the spirit is love and that's it, you know, and went on with the rest of the scripture, but he did it. He saw it fit for each one to be named out. And specifically when we think about this love that is mentioned here, the Greek word for love in this text is agape. And I found that to be so amazing. So if we don't know what agape love is, agape love is actually the love that God has for us. It's this same love that he wants us to give to other people. But you know, we are people in child. Sometimes we just can't get it right. But um, there's actually four different Greek words for love in the entire New Testament of the Bible. So the first one is eros. And eros is the romantic love or passionate love that we have for our spouses. You know, when we're in love and it's all nice and sweet and you know, you just love them so much, okay? Then we have the philia love. And the philia love is the love for people who are near and dear to us, like our best friends. Like, I love my best friend, okay? I love her so much. And then we have the storage love. 
And the storage love is the love or affection that we care for our families, you know, like our mom, our dad, my brothers. I love them so much. And then there's agape. Okay, and the agape love is so much different than all of the other loves. It is a love made more from a decision than from the heart. It is a matter of the mind to choose to love the people, even the people who are undeserving of our love. Okay, so agape has to do with the mind. It's about making a conscious decision to actively love people who don't even deserve to be loved by us, but we do it anyway. And so I absolutely love the fact that this is the love that God has for me. It's a deliberate love. It's a it's a, a continuous love. It's a love that he don't even got to think about. It's just he going to do it because he's being intentional when it comes to loving us. And I feel like we should be intentional. Well, I don't feel like it, but we should, okay, be intentional with giving that same love that God gives us, that deliberate love, that agape love, that mind fullness love <laughs> that very intentional love that waking up and saying I am choosing to love you today I don't got nothing to do with my heart it got everything to do with me and my mind and what I'm choosing to believe in my in my mind that I'm gonna love you and even though you don't love me back even though you hurt me time and time again I'm going to love you. And so I absolutely love that. And it's just that when we think about our relationship with God, I'm pretty sure God is very hurt sometimes when, you know, we choose not to listen to him. We choose to be disobedient. We choose not to walk in his ways and his statues. And we just be out here making excuses and saying, God, know my heart. And I'm a good person, but we're not doing what God called us to do. We're not acting right, you know, but he still love us. He hasn't just tossed us away and thrown us to the side. He still loves us. And I'm just so grateful for that love. And, you know, God, you're so good. You're good, Lord. You're amazing. So when we think about the fruit of the spirit, love, we can actually say that love is of the spirit because we know that God is love. And if we don't love, that means that we don't know God and who would want to be out here knowing God. So I'm just trying to work on my love. You know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes people really be like, we're not going to go there, but People be peopling out here. And so this affection of love, it goes beyond loyalty, goes beyond blood and family and all those things that we like to condition when it comes to love. We like to put conditions on it. It goes above and beyond all of that. This is loving people who aren't easy to love and loving people we even don't like. God loves us. And I'm pretty sure sometimes God don't be liking us. I'm telling you. I know he be up there like... Ooh, child, they just ain't gonna get it today. Okay, let me let me go and do something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> God be sighing at us like He probably be doing them deep breaths. Like I'm so serious because when my kids don't listen to me, I just be trying to breathe in and out because I be knowing that I'm about to like go off the rail on them. And be, before I really, you know, blow my hinge. I'm going to take a deep breath. <laughs> so I just wonder if God be up there in heaven, like, you know, 
taking deep breaths at me because child, I'm a work in progress, but God knows my heart. You see what I just did there? That's what we don't want to do because yes, God knows our heart and yes, we are working progress, but we have to be intentional each and every day that God gives us the opportunity to wake up, to be alive, to be on this side of the living. We have to be intentional with our process. And on our journey, when it comes to certain things that God is calling us to do, when it comes to the person that he is calling us to be, when it comes to loving people, because he tells us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so if we think about loving people, how we love ourselves, we have to really come into a place where we actually know how to love ourselves. And that only comes from healing. And we can't be healed if we are not giving those those areas of our lives to God for him to reveal the things that we need to be doing in order to come into a place where we actually is, is loving ourselves. When we come into a place where we can actually realize who we are, what we are, whose we are, and how much God loves us. Okay. It was the love of God that actually made me look at myself and be like, you know, Latrell, you don't really love yourself. You know, you don't really value yourself. And it was because God values me and I see the value that God has over my life. I see the value that God sees in me when he looks at me. I see how much God loves me and it made me question how much I love myself. And so with that, your girl had to do some work. And it wasn't easy. It's never going to be easy. But just know that we have the Holy Spirit in us that will lead us into all truths. And he can do all things. Trust me, he can. Because honey... Who knew? (laughs) Even when it comes to this podcast, like who knew that I would be doing this? But God. So back to the topic for today. So it is helpful for us to understand the works of the flesh in light of this love, this agape love of the spirit. And I love the fact that Paul sets up each one side by side so that we can really understand that each one of the works of the flesh is a violation of or a perversion of the agape love, this great love that God has for us. So some of the things is idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. These are actually counterfeits of love among people. Okay, and then we got idolatry, sorcery. These are counterfeits of love toward God. And, you know, this we don't want to be counterfeits out here. We don't want to be hypocrites or actors, you know, acting like there is this, uh, you know, loving relationship with with a person or with God. When really we out here fornicating, being idolatry, you know, operating in idolatry, uncleanness and uh, adultery and all of these different things like this. We don't want that. That's being a hypocrite. That is acting. And it's so funny that the word hypocrite in Greek actually means a stage player actor, but we're not going to get into that right now. So then we're going to go to hatred, jealousy, selfishness, selfish ambition, envious murderers. Ooh, that's the opposite of love. Actually. Okay, to hate is the opposite of love. And so when we think about this, we do not ever want to be on the opposite ends of anything that comes from God. Why? Because that means that we're operating now with the enemy, no longer with the spirit of God, but with the spirit of the enemy. 
And we don't want to be operating in that, especially in drunkenness or rivalries, because these are also sad attempts to fill a void that only the love of God can fill. Now we're going to go into the fruit of joy. And I absolutely love joy because, you know, joy is joy. And it's so funny because one of the most greatest marketing strategies here in this world was to get people to believe that the kingdom of Satan is where the fun is. It's the place where all the things are amazing and it just looks so much better and it's so much greener on the other side. But then the kingdom of God is this place of gloom or misery. But how does that work when the fruit of the spirit is joy? This is why we must read the word so that we can know that in the kingdom of God, there is joy. There is fun. There is happiness. There is all things that are good because God is good and his goodness endures forever. Okay. Even when this earth will pass away, he will still be good and he only has good for his children. Okay. And so I absolutely love the fact that we could say that this is the joy of the spirit because it is higher joy okay, then just the thrill or an exciting experience or a wonderful set of circumstances, this is a joy that can abide and remain even when the circumstances are terrible, even when the circumstances are horrible, even when we don't know how this is going to work out or why I'm even in this situation, we can still have the joy of the Lord. And not this happiness, this fleeting emotion that is determined off of happenings in our lives, off of different circumstances that are going on after the different scenarios. And then once that situation is over, then there's the happiness leaves with the event. This joy remains and it abides no matter what's going on around us. And Paul knew of this joy personally because he was singing while he was in jail, locked in a dungeon chow. He even wrote the church of Philippi and told them to find your joy in the Lord. And we too must find our joy in the Lord. Believers are not dependent upon circumstances. We have the joy of God. Their joy, our joy comes not from what we have, but from what we are, not from where we are, but from whose we are, not from what we enjoy, but from that which was suffered for us by our Lord. We can find joy in the resurrection. We can find joy in what Jesus has done for us at the cross. We can find joy in choosing life. Man, that is absolutely awesome. And then he gets into the fruit of the spirit. It's peace. Okay, and I feel like it it, it kind of all is going, trickling down like a chain reaction. Because once we come into that place of love, then we can find joy in all things. 
And once we come into that place of joy, we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace is a peace with God. It is a peace with people. And it's positive. It's always positive. And in that, we can, like, the the, the joy that comes, okay, in the midst of the peace that is absolutely awesome, filled with blessings and goodness, not simply the absence of fighting, but the peace that is filled with blessings and goodness. This is the peace of the spirit. It is above anything that we can ever imagine. It is a higher peace than just what comes when everything is calm and settled, when nothing is really going wrong. But it's that peace even in the midst of all hell breaking loose. To know that God is God and that he is good. All we have to do is be steadfast in the things of God. Here, this peace means that tranquility of the heart, which derives from the unpervading consciousness that our times are in the hands of God. That consciousness to know that our times are in the hands of God. How amazing is that? We can find peace in that because we know that God is God. He's never going to let us down. He's never lost a battle. Why would he start now? He won't. And we can find peace in that. We can find joy in that. We can know love in that. And it will lead us to long suffering. And this long suffering means that we can have love, joy, and peace even over a period of time when people and events, circumstances, and situations annoy us, just continues to try to rip us apart, continue to try to bring us down. God is not quickly irritated with us. So why should we be quickly irritated with others? Long suffering in itself is a work of the spirit. Long suffering is that quality which enables a person to bear adversity, injury, reproach. It makes us patient to wait for the improvement of those who have done us wrong. When the enemy finds that he cannot overcome us by force, he tries to overcome us in the long run. To withstand his continued assaults, we must be long-suffering and patiently waiting for the devil to get tired of the game. Because when, one thing we have to understand is that when we resist the enemy, he must flee. He cannot continuously attack us each day, all day, every day, 
45, whatever, however you want to say it. <laughs> he cannot just 24-7 continuously attack us. That's He's not omniscient, omnipresent, or any of those things. We have to stop giving the enemy the privileges that God hasn't even given him. The access that God hasn't even given him. We're the ones that is giving it to him by thinking that, oh, child, I'm always under attack. No, you're not. Because the enemy ain't that powerful, sis, bro. <laughs> He's not that powerful, okay? Yes, there will be things that come up. There will be things that happen. But we have to know that trouble don't last always. That his goodness and his mercy follows us all the days of our lives, everywhere that we go. Even if we make our bed in hell, there he will be with us. We have to know these things and we have to stand steadfast on them. Being dependent on God, being led by God, walking in the spirit of God, being able to be built up in the fruit of the spirit of God. Which leads me to kindness. And goodness. So these two words are closely connected. The only difference is that goodness is associated with generosity. And I absolutely love that because we are called to be cheerful givers. We're called to be generous at heart. And even if in the case where we don't have nothing to give nobody, we don't got no money, child, we ain't got nothing. We feel like we don't got nothing. But we always have something. Because not all the time is it called for us to physically give tangible gifts to people. We can give a person a listening ear. We can give them a word of encouragement. We can give them a word from the Lord. We can give them scripture. We can give them resources in our community that can help them, that will feed them, that will give them clothing, bus cars, or whatever it is that they need. Not all the time is it called for us to be the one who give the tangible thing. But sometimes it's called for us to lead people in the way that they should go. To just listen to somebody sometimes. Sometimes people just be wanting people to talk to. They just want somebody to hear them. To understand their perspective, to understand how they feel, to validate their emotions. And that is all part of being a good and kind person. It doesn't always necessarily mean we have to go in our pockets and give something. Because not all the time do we have it. But God. We should always have a word in our mouths for someone. We should always have an encouragement in our hearts for someone. We should always have a praise for the Lord in our mouths. And even with us praising the Lord can do something. It can uplift somebody else's soul who's listening. So I just want us to just keep that in mind. And then the fruit of the spirit is faithfulness, faith. This is the idea that the spirit of God works faithfulness in us. He works faith in us and we're all given a measure of faith. Both to God and to people, we are called to be faithful to both. It is a characteristic of 
Christian believers who is reliable. We are called to be reliable individuals. People should be able to count on us. We should be people of our word. If we say something, then we're going to do it. The ability to serve God faithfully through the years and through the temptations of life and not is not something we achieve by heroic virtue. It comes from the spirit of God working in us. Meekness. OK, I feel like this is my favorite <laughs> because it, it just speaks to a, a level of humility. It, it's the, the the word has the idea of being teachable, moldable, not demanding my rights and I'm this. So treat me this way and all of these things. It's not being timid or, or passive. It, it, it's actually funny because there's this saying, it's called meek, not weak. Okay, meek, not weak. <laughs> and when I really was studying the word meekness, it is actually the quality of a person who can get angry at the right time and never the wrong time. Isn't that interesting? And I was just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> so it's it's about feeling the feelings of anger, of your emotion, sadness, whatever it is, at the right time and never the wrong time. That's the level of gentleness or, or meekness that God is calling us to. It is important for us as believers to see the that the self-assertiveness that is so much part of the 20th century life should be or should not even be valued highly at all. Because the life, okay, this world, the life that a lot of people is living in this world is for self. It is not a place of humility, gentleness, meekness, whatever you word you want to use. It is not that. It is so much better for each of us to curtail the desire to be preeminent and exercises a proper meekness, a proper gentleness or humility. Because in doing that, it leads us to self-control. And working all the fruit of the spirit, it leads us to self-control. The world knows something of self-control, but almost always for a selfish reason, okay? It knows the self-discipline and denial someone will go through for themselves. But the self-control of the spirit will also work on the behalf of others. Also work on the behalf of others. And that is what is it is what it is about. When it comes to working these fruit of the spirit, it is about other people. It's all, it's, it's never just about us. 
But majority of the time, it is about other believers. Against these fruit of the spirit, there is no law. There is certainly no law against love, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But more so, if a person has this fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't need the law. He already fulfills it. Jesus already fulfills it. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We have to understand that God has a place for our flesh with all its passions and desires. He wants us to nail it to the cross so that it may be under control and under the sentence of death. Crucified here is a very important word. Paul could have said any other word besides crucified. He could have said killed or murdered or or whatever. But he used the word crucified to remind us of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It reminds us that we are called to take up our cross and follow him daily. It reminds us to crucify that flesh daily. And it also reminds us that the death of the flesh is often painful, but necessary. It reminds us that our flesh must be dealt with decisively. We can't be out here living it up to chance. You know, oh, child, it'll all work out. No, it won't. (laughs) If you don't make a decisive decision in your consciousness to do what it is that God is calling you to do, to act in the ways that God is calling you to act, to be the person who God is calling you to be, to actively crucify that flesh, to actively know that we have to put that flesh to death, to know that we have to pick up that cross daily and walk with God and follow him and follow his ways, adopt his attributes, adopt his mindset to be how he was. Would you? No, it is not left up to chance. We have to make a decision. And in the decision, in the making of the decision, those who are Christ have been crucified. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. Speaking of the old man. It is nailed to the cross. It no longer has authority or control over you. Now the spirit of God has raised up in you and the new man has been resurrected. Our spiritually person, our spirituality, our spirit man is now in control of our lives. God is calling us to crucify our flesh. The crucifixion of our flesh described here is something that is done not to us, but by us. 
Galatians 5 and 24 does not teach us the same truth as Romans 6 and 6. But here what it is saying is that we have to take action. We have to crucify the flesh. The problem of our flesh will not be finally dealt with until we are resurrected. Until then, we are constantly to nail that flesh to the cross. It is to be hung there, alive yet powerless over us. To resist the flesh is to nail it to the cross. Although the flesh is alive still, it cannot have control over us. It cannot very well act on the desires because it is bound. In Jesus Christ, we can live above the passions and desires of our flesh. The resources are there in Jesus. We have to look to him. We have to see our life in him. If you are one of those who are Christ, then you belong to him. Okay, not to this world, not to yourself, not to your passions and your desires or your spouse or, you know, you want to look good and all of these things. We don't belong to any of that. We belong to him. Our lives are no longer our own, but we live for him. We live to glorify his name. Whether we are alive, then we have opportunity to continue to glorify him. And whether we are dead, then we need to see him and worship him and be with him forever in heaven. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. We can't understand this verse until we really understand what it means to walk. This picture of walking is a walk of life. It is to walk worthy, to walk in line with, to keep in step with the spirit of God. The idea is the spirit has given you and me life. Now let him direct our steps. If the spirit is the source of our lives, let the Spirit also direct this course in our lives. Let us not be conceited, but walk in the Spirit of God. That if we live in the Spirit, then we also should be walking in the Spirit. To be in line with stand beside a person or the thing hold on to agree with to follow this is what it means to walk when jesus says to follow me it is a habitual process of holding on, agreeing with, of following, of being in line, standing beside, 
perpetual state of being directed. That is what it's about when we walk and we keep in step with the spirit. When we choose to build up the fruit of the spirit in, in, in us. When we choose to live in the essence of the fruit of the spirit. Then we can start to produce the righteous fruit. Okay, so that is it. Woo, that was so good. Um, Wow, God is amazing. And I hope that you guys can really take this and understand just what God is calling us to do and how he is calling us to keep in step with the spirit of him, of his Holy Spirit that is inside of each and every last single one of us. To know that we have been crucified and when we have been resurrected, we're no longer the same person who we were. We're new. We're made new. So I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. And I will see you all here for another episode on the Pace Place podcast. Most gracious and heavenly father, we thank you, Lord God, for, oh man, just allowing us to even be here right now, to be alive and well, Father God. We thank you for your word and we thank you for everything that has gone forth on this podcast today, Father God. We thank you for the fruit of the spirit. We thank you that we have an example of how we should act in love, in joy, Father God, in peace and long suffering, in gentleness and goodness, in faithfulness, in meekness and temperance, Father God. We thank you for the building up in us the things that you have for us, Father God. We thank you that all that we are has already been placed inside of us, Father. We thank you for even creating us for a time as this, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father God, as we continue on throughout our day, we just ask you, Lord God, to be with us, walk with us, allow us to keep in step with your spirit, Lord. Order our steps in the way that we should go and give us a heart's posture of obedience to follow you, to serve you, to reverence you, to know you, Lord God. To know exactly what you have in store for us. To be the people who you have called us to be, Father. And we just thank you. We thank you that you saw it fit for us to be redeemed, Lord God. That you did not want to leave us dead in our sins, Lord God. But you sent your only begotten son down to the cross. We thank you for the crucifixion. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that our lives are no longer our own, but we are here as living epistles, empty vessels ready to be used by you, ready to be moved by you, Father, ready to receive what you have for us. We just continue to thank you and reverence you and just praise your most precious and holy name. As we go forth, Father God, give us a spirit of long suffering to know how 
to deal with your people, Father God. Open our eyes to see people how you see people, to love people how you love people, Father God, to forgive people just as you have forgiven us. Allow us to be compassionate, Father God. We ask you for your peace, Lord God. We ask you for your joy. Because we know that these things can only come from you, Father God. And we need these things in our lives. We we need to have the fruit of the Spirit in order to endure. We thank you for the process, Lord God. We thank you for the journey. And we thank you that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us, Father God. And I pray this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Amen and amen. Thank you all for joining me here on the Pace Place podcast. I am your host, Latrell Pace, and I will catch you all later. You guys go out, have a beautiful day, and be awesome people. And remember, God loves you and God be with you all.